Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today, we're focusing on the inbound organization, how to build and strengthen your company's future using inbound principles. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to co-create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders in identifying disruptive trends and developing strategies to transform themselves and their organizations to thrive now and in the future. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that on our show today is Todd Hockenberry. Todd and Top Line Results specialize in leading top line revenue growth at small and medium-sized companies with a focus on business-to-business manufacturing, technology, and capital equipment. For over 11 years, Top Line Results is a leader in educating and helping business-to-business companies adopt to the new realities of internet-driven changes in buying behavior to successfully grow their businesses. Todd is the co-author on a book, Inbound Organizations, How to Build and Strengthen Your Company's Future Using Inbound Principles. So we're in a major shift in a fundamental aspect of how businesses grow, how buyers purchase, and how businesses build meaningful conversations with their customers and and build those relationships. Companies who align their mission, strategy, action plan, and tools with the way buyers think, learn, discover, and purchase will have a huge competitive advantage. Organizations need to adjust their mindset and build a strategic foundation to deal with these facts and not just update a business plan. Tom joins me today to discuss his book, Inbound Organizations, How to Build and Strengthen Your Company's Future Using Inbound Principles, and how leaders can focus their businesses on on customer and succeed at attracting and keeping the ideal customer. So, Todd, thank you for joining us today. This is, your topic is incredibly prescient given what's happening in our world. Well, thank you, Maureen. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about it with your audience. Is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners before we jump into our first question? No, let's go. Let's just, uh, let's dive in and have a good conversation about uh, about how companies can focus on customers in, uh, in what is a really changed world over the last 90 days. Okay, so why is today a great opportunity for leaders to build a customer-focused culture that will position their business for growth? Well, it's always been a matter of being customer-oriented to achieve success in the marketplace. That hasn't changed. What's changed since the beginning of March has been that the fact that it is it's hyper important that you're now customer oriented, right? We, we, we talk to our clients and we have, uh, typically we would, we would organize our prospects or our customers into three buckets. Ones that are uh, just trying to survive, uh, others that are trying to maintain their business without shrinking too much or a lot of expectation of growth. And then there's others that are thriving right now. There's a lot of businesses that are really thriving in this because of uh, Zoom. We're using Zoom right now. This is a great example. This is a business that's thriving. So you have to, you have to adjust your business and your thinking about what you do and why you do it because who you're doing it for has been changing. I, I don't know any of my clients whose markets and customer bases haven't changed on some level of how they're doing business today. So you've got to understand where they are and where they're at and, and how you can really help them and address their issues. I'll give you a good example, Maureen. As a salesperson, you've probably heard this. Maybe you've said this. Maybe your audience has done this where you would call up a customer and say, how can I help you? Yeah, things are crazy right now. How can I help you? <clears throat> but I would say, what do you think, Maureen? Is that a good question? Um, no, because they don't, they don't know. And frankly, they often don't want to have the conversation. Exactly. You're trying, you're making them do the work for you to tell you how you can help them in this new situation. Your sales team, your marketing has to, has to pivot 
And you have to know how you help them. You have to know how you help them survive. You have to know how you help them maintain their current business or help them grow. And you need to come to them and say, here's how we're helping other companies just like yours. Here's how we're addressing their specific needs based on what's changed. And this is what we can do for you. Let's have a conversation. Now, they'll have that conversation. But if it's a sales conversation or if it's about your, your you, they're not interested, right? They won't even talk to you. So it, it's become very, very um, – and again, we've, we've actually seen strategies kind of go out the window. And, and I think a lot of your customers, uh, if you're in the hospitality business – I live in Orlando, and, and many business owners here have – it's been an, an – unbelievable disruption in terms of the assumptions and how you do business. So companies have had to adjust. And as a, as a company selling to other customers, you have to adjust too and put yourself in their mindset. You got to understand who they are, what their market looks like, how their customers are uh, looking to be helped and what they need. And also, again, what you need to do to adjust quickly to, to, to do that, along with dealing with your employees and dealing with all the normal leadership issues you have to deal with, right? So it's, there's never been a better opportunity to rethink your model, rethink how you go to market, rethink what you do and how you do it, and, and then become even more customer focused. That's what it's going to take to survive. Well, and what you, one of the things you said that strikes me, and it has been the case for a long time, but many companies haven't adapted, is I have to understand where I fit in my customer supply chain to deliver value to their clients. And companies like Honda have done a good job at working through those supply chains, but many others have not, they've never had to. And so I, as a provider, haven't necessarily needed to understand how what I do enables my client to deliver. It's a great point. We, we've seen that. I'm glad you brought up supply chains. I think there's massive disruptions in sp- supply chains that have happened. I think there's going to be massive changes moving forward with the supply chains, which gives us opportunities. Uh, I'll give you an example. I work with a capital equipment company that works on fabricating metal and tubing for a wide variety of, of, of uh, businesses. And they've focused on supplying equipment to people that have done this for years, large, say, tier one automotive companies. But what's changing is the supply chain just got a lot more expensive, a lot longer, a lot lot more uncertain. So they've changed their marketing model to say, look, if you've been importing these products in the past, you can now reshore them by buying this equipment. And we'll help you essentially set up a supply chain for all the all the materials, we'll get you the equipment, and we'll bring your supply chain back for you, right? That's a different sale than just saying, buy my piece of equipment. It's saying, I understand supply chains. I, I understand material processing. I understand purchasing of commodity materials, say steel. And I'm going to help you as a vendor quickly set up a new supply chain where you, maybe you've, you've eliminated the supply chain. You do it yourself. So that's a different sale, and it's a different approach. It's a huge difference because I and I've worked with clients as well who, who yes, my one supplier went out of business or or can no longer deliver. But if I change to some someone delivering in a different country, then I have to change all of my distribution, all of my shipping. There there may be different um, calibrations that have to happen to get this equipment approved. It, it's a huge shift for something that seems minor. It is a huge shift in the, the it, like I said, it's not as easy as just buying a piece of equipment and saying, I'm going to make this stuff now. You've got to, you've got to be an expert at it. So, so the opportunity to me is, is for companies that, that are involved with these types of supply chains to, to basically offer companies the service around the equipment and around the tools mm. to reshore and bring the supply chains back to, to the U.S. and, and, and eliminate the, 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 the uncertainty of these supply chains. And again, they've got to deal with cost. You've got to deal with purchasing. There's, there's, there's a lot there, right? But if, if you can bundle that around your equipment, right? Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're no longer an equipment salesman. You're selling supply chain rationalization or supply chain modification. And, mm-hmm. and that's what people want, right? I don't need a piece of equipment. I need a new supply chain, right? So, so this is what I'm talking about where you're really thinking about customer-oriented. And this is, this is not new. I mean, the great businesses have always done this, have always really put themselves in the customer's shoes. But it's, it's you know, we, I've talked to, I used to teach a class in, at uh, college intro to sales, and I would I would talk to the students about understanding the benefit of the benefit. Like, and it's the same thing in the customers. Like, what do your customers need? And then what do their customers need? And if you can go to that level and dig into the, the process where value is brought, 
to that level. Now you're going to start to really get into their head. And, and like I, I teach my clients, you should be the experts. You're dealing with 50 or 100 companies with the same issues. They're one company mm-hmm. with those issues, right? So you should be able to bring a different perspective. And you should be able to be, bring a different um, point of view to this. And in my business in marketing and sales growth and consulting, I offer a state of the industry for marketing and sales to senior leaders. And I talk to them about all the things I'm seeing and all the things I'm learning. And I just share that information with them. And it's a way to kind of build a relationship and show that there's, there's value in working with me as opposed to just saying, oh, I'll help you grow your sales or I'll provide you marketing services. I think that's a brilliant point, and we we can certainly take a page from from the software industry and the computer industry. Everything is as a service right now. Even my doorbell monitoring, I now pay a monthly fee to store the videos of whoever shows up at my front door. I think my Nest, I must pay a service to. I'm, it seems like I pay everyone for a, a subscription to to get the back end support. Because I because I want more than a doorbell to to ring. Exactly, I had a conversation, a discovery call with a prospect yesterday, and they were. It was a very nuanced, detailed um, food processing technology and equipment, and they were going equipment as a service where mm. they were providing. They were they were guaranteeing a certain amount of sale or, or savings on energy and a certain amount of throughput. And uh, so instead of selling a piece of equipment that's a one-time sale, they sold the expertise and and certain amount of uptime and that they would see these mm-hmm. results. So that's starting to move in the, into the model people people want, right? And for the, their customers, now those assets come off the balance sheet. They now become a variable cost. It's accounted differently, right? It's, it's also um, easier to get started. There's less barrier to entry, right? You can really put yourself in their, in their shoes. You can shorten sales cycles because you change the financial calculus and you, you, you move the accountability from one place to another. So instead of providing service, right, with the classic mm-hmm. traditional service is, mm-hmm. is a reaction. It's, it's reactive. You, 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 you say, I'm sure lots of your audience says things like on their website, they'll say 24-7 service, call us anytime, we're here. But it's totally reactive. When you move to the service model, where I say equipment as a service, you now have a proactive model. You're incentivized to make sure they see the success you promised in your sales and marketing process. You're incentivized to make sure that they see the results you promised and not just get the item or get the equipment or get the software, whatever it is. So you are bound much more closely to your customers' outcomes when you think that way mm-hmm. and you deliver something that way. And, and again, I believe that this time this year is an inflection point and more and more people and more and more companies are going to need to think and sell in that mode to get in the door and to build those long-term relationships, right? They're sticky when you get that, right? When we get the, the payment, right? You, you, you say you pay a monthly fee for, say, your CRM or your website management mm-hmm. tool, just as an example. They're sticky. They're hard to replace. You get invested. You don't want to switch. So why wouldn't you want to do the same thing for, for what you're doing? Same idea. Well, and I certainly want my services to be sticky because I don't want people to switch either. Mm-hmm. So, so you talk then about inbound, and we've got three minutes till break. What is inbound, and how do these ideas relate to the entire organization building on on what we've talked about as the platform? Sure, inbound is the um, is the idea that that you're attracting people to you. This started a, a 15 years ago or so, where. SEO and content was on a website online and you use mm-hmm. content, you, you would get inbound leads. People would come to you as opposed to the classic interruptive marketing, which is outbound. I, I mm-hmm. call you, I do a commercial, I have a billboard, I do a trade show. Those are interruptive things. Mm-hmm. This is the the recognition that people now can control the information they consume, they search, they look, and they are attracted to content and ideas and companies that are helpful and sharing educational information. So that's where it started and it's expanded into the premise of our book is that that today everybody in your organization has to think that way because that's the way all buyers look, think about dealing with any relationship with anybody they want to buy from. They're used to Amazon and Facebook, right? And they bring these these expectations to your relationships as well. I want to be able to go on your website and self-serve information. I want to be able to solve my own problems, frequently ask questions. I want a lot of videos to show me how to do things. I want, I want the information there when I want it. I don't want to have to wait for somebody to call me back or send me something. I want it when I want it. So inbound is the idea that, that um, 
customers control that information uh, um, input. They don't always control the process of, of solving problems because they don't know how to do it. That's where sales still has a huge role. But you can do sales in an inbound way, which is focusing on their needs and serving them the, the, the personalized, customized content and um, out, uh, the experience they were looking for at the time they're looking for it. It's not jamming people through a prearranged process, but it's basically really being customer oriented, using content information as a way to, to build credibility, educate and move people through the process. It's about being helpful first. It's about giving something before you get something, mm-hmm. building uh, credibility and building that reciprocation that human beings like. We like to help people that help us. And mm-hmm. then really, really solving for the customer and, and ultimately inbounds about being really human. And that sounds silly. I it always still strikes me as silly when I say be human. But, you know, if you've blasted an email to 5,000 people with the same content, then that's not really human. That's just a machine doing your work for you. So that's what we mean. Be human and uh, really solve for the customer and help them where they are, how they want to be helped. Great. So, well, and as we wrap up this segment, the idea that when someone comes inbound, they're coming when they need something rather than me inundating millions of people, hoping somebody out in the, in the world gets an electron that, that they want to capture and, and move. So as we go on break, you're with Maureen Metcalf and Todd Hi- Hockenberry, sorry. Um, And we are talking about inbound. And I invite our listeners to think about during the first break, where have you consumed information that has been really helpful that you've then turned around and uh, engaged that service? So Todd and I will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Todd Hockenberry. And we are talking about in the inbound organization, how to build and strengthen your company's future using inbound principles. So, Todd, um, what role do leaders play in adopting the inbound ideas? I think it all rises and falls on leadership. And I know you, you agree that, that leaders are absolutely critical to um, developing a customer-oriented mindset. It's going to come from your culture, Right. And mm-hmm. it's going to come from your belief system. It's going to come from the way you act. People are going to see as the, the leaders, are they really customer oriented or are they oriented towards something else, right? I'm sure you've seen it, Maureen, where people are oriented to the, the, the founder's ego. That's the one I yep. see a lot, right? <laughs> it, it might mm-hmm. be the, it may be a family oriented business and there's, there's uh, family connections and issues there, right there. It's really about 
placating one of the generations, maybe, or, or maybe it's, um, it, it has to do with bureaucracy. We see a lot of people that are really internally focused, and it's about themselves and their own processes or their products. We see this a lot with technology, where somebody's just absolutely off the charts brilliant in terms of technology, but they're really biased towards the technology and really don't understand how the market sees the technology or the product. So, Leaders need to be humble and and uh, understand that they need to really take a deep look inside and then take a strong look outside and see if what they're saying is true because every, everybody has that plaque or that thing on the wall in the office that says our mission is to be customer-oriented, world-class quality, best-in-class this, and all those buzzword nonsense marketing yeah. speak. That's not what we're talking about. That doesn't mean anything. Um, I'll give you a good example. I was with the CEO and about a hundred people. I was doing a presentation. It was their marketing and sales department. And this is this is a it's in the in the uh, public publication publishing world. Everybody would know their name. I can't disclose it, but um, I asked them. I said, "What's the mission of this business?" This is a globally known business, and a hundred people sat there and I said, "Does anybody know what the mission is? What do you say it is?" And it was crickets. And I said, finally, one person put their hand up and said they knew the mission and it was the CEO. And I said, exactly. This is the problem. I don't even care what you say, what the mission is, right? If you're the only one who knows it and you're the only one that Mm -hmm. is animated by it, then it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the company. What we found when we dug in was that our culture was really one of, of hitting certain metrics and being very sales aggressive, outbound, outward, outreach focused. And they were very product focused. They were, fo- they were focused on their content and their really aggressive sales outreach. And there was no really overarching mission that brought it all together. So leader, you have a culture in your company, whether you recognize it or not. So leaders are, are responsible for setting up a culture that allows the people that you employ to deliver the customer service and deliver the, exp- the, the help and the expertise your customers want. So it starts and ends there. You can say you're customer-oriented all you want, but if you don't have a culture that enables it from the way you do meetings, the way you hire, the way you compensate, the way you hold people accountable, the way you give people resources, all of these things add up to your culture and either make it easier or harder for your, cust- your company employees to take care of your customers. And it's, it's kind of that simple. It's, hard, it's easy to say it's hard to do, and um, but leaders need to put that front and center and make sure that they're not in the way, that the bureaucracy is not in the way, that the, the rules and regulations and processes are not in the way, and that they're getting out of the way and allowing their people to do the best work that their customers are looking for. And that's what motivates people. That's what, um, you know, not only do we want to inbounds about helping people, but we're about enabling our team to help people because that's really what we all want, Right. I want to go home at the end of the day, you know, and I help somebody solve their problems or move their business forward. It's that's what drives satisfaction. So um, leaders are critical to really understand this. Mm-hmm. And they also need to observe and be really, you know, bringing an outside eyes to tell them where they're not being customer oriented is really important too. And they need to listen and be humble enough to mm-hmm. take advice and change. So, so as you say that, I think of, the, the significant changes we're seeing, and I'll say pre-pandemic, when people like Jamie Dimon came out and said, uh, talking about the importance of having a mission that is not only having strong business fundamentals, but delivering value to the community, creating engaging work. It seems like we are seeing movement in that direction. Uh, again, pre-pandemic, my guess is the pandemic will cause some people to fall back to fundamentals. We just need to stay in business and others will use this as an opportunity to truly differentiate and do, as you said, and allow, create an environment and a culture where more people are aligning their personal sense of purpose and values to what the organization does. Absolutely, Maureen. I, I, I struggle with this one. I, uh, when I started working, I think, the, and I'm in my early 50s, so the, the expectation was, hey, you get a job, you put your head down, you do what you're told, you work your way up, and you just work hard, right? There's no mission, vision. I don't need that. I'm just, I'm getting <laughs> Do I'm your getting, job. I'm getting paid. I do my job. That's kind of the way I grew <laughs> up, right? And, mm-hmm. and the, the, I have a daughter who's just ready to graduate from college, and and that doesn't work. <laughs> I can promise you that's not going to work for her. She, she wants to connect to, to some values and a worldview that, that matches hers. She wants to make a difference. She, and again, these are good things. I don't want to be cynical about it. I think companies can be cynical about it when they just try to react to some kind of thing that happens 
and in the news and then try to mm-hmm. shift to match that. I think this is what you're talking about is who you are as a company. And I think about uh, companies that have a long-term view of their role. And, and if they build on, build on that and you build build a, a, a platform and you build a, a vision and, a, and, and you explain to people why you're doing these things and your commitment to helping communities and helping people and, and whatever that is, then I think that makes sense. But I, the, the kind of reaction that I'm seeing right now that it feels a whole lot like everybody's just scrambling to um, mm-hmm. follow a trend. And, and again, I'm not saying anything good or bad about the particular trend. I, I, I think that's a shallow short-term way to think about it. I'm, I'm talking about people that are committed to saying, you know, we have employees and whatever communities we have businesses in, we're going to help our employees be better people and connect them to the community because it not only builds a better community, it builds a better company. We build value in, in, in our people. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, companies need to recognize that they are part of their communities and they have a role to play. And mm-hmm. play, it in, play it in a way that, that helps your customers, helps your, your ecosystem, everybody around you. And, and ultimately, you know, if I'm part of something bigger than just, oh, I have a job, I have a much <laughs> I have, I have a lot more connection and I'm going to work harder. I'm going to be more mm-hmm. loyal. I'm going to commit more of myself to this. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's not cynical. It's, it's just the way we should be, right? If we're going to be in organizations, we should be trying to maximize human potential to do the vast, the, the most good we can all do. I, 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 that's, I mean, it sounds kind yeah. of uh, utopian, I guess, but it, well, it works. Well, it goes back to Henry Ford, and the early Ford cars, we pay people a living wage so that we can, so that they can buy our stuff, right? Exactly. It's it in some ways it seems like the research is now saying engaged employees are are better than disengaged employees, which would be um, shouldn't be shocking. But again, you and I started working around the same time. No one cared that I was engaged. They showed cared that I showed up. I wore the right outfit, and I I didn't do anything stupid. And I, you know, played my role in the machine, but now as, as my brain is engaged, now certainly I was also 20 back then, so I was doing my part in, you know, just doing what I was told. But as we, ent- as we are in the midst of a world where people need to think how, how we connect meaning and purpose to the work also allows me to show up as my full self and completely engage my brain. Well, in inbound, it, it really, the ideas are, are applicable to your employee relationship, just like your customer relationships. If you're, if you're following the kind of inbound framework and, and the inbound mm-hmm. uh, principles, you will attract better employees. You will attract better partners. You will attract better uh, vendors and suppliers. People will want to work with you because they see what you're doing and they're, they're attracted to it. So, you know, we talk about content and, and uh, context and, and, making a personalized experience, the same thing, same thing holds for your employees. So you yeah. want to treat them exactly the same way. And, and um, I, I think a lot of industries are going to have a reckoning over this. And again, I mentioned, I live in Orlando, so um, I don't need to mention any names, you know, them all, but um, <laughs> you know, we, we have a, Orlando has one of the lowest wages, average wages of any city in the country. Wow. And it's no, it's no surprise why it's, we're a service and hospitality focused industry. Now think about that for a second. You have a service and hospitality-based industry, which means you have visitors. There's something like, before this happened, something like 70 million people a year visited Orlando, which is hard to imagine, but that's the number. So if you pay your the people that are supposed to take care of and create this amazing experience for all these people, the lowest wages of any city in the country, that doesn't, why, that doesn't make sense to me. I, mm-hmm. I think, I have no experience in this industry whatsoever, but it just seems to me that that those are the kind of disruptions we're going to see and that the companies that really want to get people to come back and, and, and enjoy these kind of service and uh, hospitality type situations, mm-hmm. they're going to have to have much better employees and they're going to have a much better experience, which means they have to invest in those people. They can't pay the lowest wage anymore. So I, I hope that changes. And I, 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 I again, I, I think that uh, this idea that, that, that you can't do those things and be successful. I, I hope that starts to go away. I, I, mm-hmm. Having a business needs to be more than just getting the numbers out the door and getting the numbers on the, on the expense, you know, the income and expense mm-hmm. report. It's got to be about 
um, human potential because we're we're it right. We're the we're the resource. Period. And in, inbounds about creating organizations and relationships that that really maximize all stakeholders' outcomes and, um, and and their opportunities. So why is helping so vital to inbound? Well, we, we all like to say we help, I think. But again, I would, I would challenge the listeners and the leaders to look at their marketing and ask them if it's really helpful, right? Were, were all those COVID-19 emails that went out to everybody telling everybody all the things they were doing internally and blah, 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 that I got so sick of seeing, was that really helpful? Not really. I don't think it was really helpful. Look at your marketing. Look at your website. Is it, is it really helping or even talking about your customer and their issues or is it talking about you? Are the pictures of your building and your staff and your equipment or is it about your customers and what their issues are? These are some things that we like to look at as kind of clues to tell us how you think. And um, I, I, I say that, that uh, the vast majority of companies are not helpful. I saw some, a survey, I think it was Harvard Business Review did this, where they surveyed companies and they asked them if they were customer oriented. And something like 80 plus percent of companies said they were. Then they went to those same companies, asked their customers if those companies were customer-oriented. And it was 8% of the customers actually said that 80% were customer-oriented. So that's an order of magnitude difference between the, the thinking of companies versus the reality of companies. And again, I think that's the, the difference. The ones that are really customer-focused are the ones that are helpful. So I the little things I look for, like when I call you, do I have to go into the voicemail chain of buttons and press this and press that before I can talk to a human? Uh, if I call your service, how long do I wait on hold, right? Is is there, um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, buying products. Is it easy to get it started? Is there a lot of information available? Have you thought through training and really made that easy? Uh, again, these, all these little things add up to the overall experience and um, helping is at the core of it. And um, it's not about selling. Uh, your, your job is to help people improve and help them move forward and help them solve problems. And, and it just needs to be a mindset that pervades everything everybody does from the CEO to the person that cleans the, the offices to the person that puts the products in the box or sends the invoice. Everybody has to be with that, have that mindset today because our expectations are that, that every part of the, the experience is good and helpful and about me. And again, that's what we've been trained by the Amazons of the world to expect. So that's what you have to provide. Yeah, I was going to say Apple and, and even the packaging. Sure. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to have a brilliant experience in opening the, the package like it's Christmas. That has certainly changed our expectation. And so we've got two minutes left in this segment. What should leaders, what are leaders missing about um, marketing and specifically creating an inbound organization? Yeah, I, I think too many times the leaders of organizations are from other disciplines. They might be technical. They may be more on the finance side. There's not enough senior board level people and senior leaders, I think, that are that come from a marketing background. Um, I think too, too many companies view it as a kind of a tactical thing. Well, they do the website or they do the trade shows or they do the brochures, right? But marketing is really about really being the group that understands what's going on in the world and in your customers better than anybody, even better than your sales team. They should. So I, I, I think there's, I see a lot of companies that underinvest in marketing and overinvest in sales. Mm. And what I mean by that is I think companies can make the mistake that, well, we want to grow, let's just add salespeople. I would say, well, if you want to grow, let's figure out what your story is, figure out how to reach people and attract more people to you that are, are connected to your mission, that understand what you want to do and that are, are good fits. And then your sales team needs to be more efficient because if your sales team is only working on best fit leads and best fit opportunities, they can be more efficient. So mm-hmm. I think leaders assume sales has to be the place to get growth when I see the successful companies really investing in marketing. That's a big one. Great. Thank you. So let's uh, go on break now. And for our listeners, I encourage you to think about where is your organization most helpful to customers and do you see any gaps where, uh, like, Todd, as you're talking, I want to go look at my webpage because I know there are pictures of me on it. Not <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> I, want to see, I want to see you, but I, what I don't want to see is all about you. I want to see how you help them. Yeah, so things like these podcasts is what you exactly. should be seeing. That's exactly. And you I'm, do. Ho- I'm hoping to be very helpful to your audience today. 
<laughs> Thank you. I hope you are too. So we're going to go on break and Todd and I will be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today, I'm talking to Todd Heikenberry, and we are talking about the inbound organization, how to build and strengthen your company's future using inbound principles, which happens also to be Todd's book. Um, So now we're going to shift to actions and assessments so that you as the listener can walk away with very uh, tactical and precise actions you can take. So Todd, let's shift to what are the key steps to take to become an inbound organization? Well, I think you've got to start at the beginning, right? You've got to, your why, right? If you like, if you're a Simon Sinek fan, you know, start with your why. I believe in that. He's got, it's a great book, great resource. Uh, think about why you're in business, who you serve, what you do for them, why you're different, why somebody would choose you over your varied competitors from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, you need to really differentiate and really think about it. This is not a one-time brainstorming session. This probably is a months-long process of really digging in and thinking about it and talking to your team and possibly using an outside resource to come in and guide you through the process. But um, you got to take the vision that, that the founders and the leaders have and turn it into a mission that can be actionable for all of your employees, that's engaging, that's directive, which keeps everybody kind of on the right path and moving in the same direction. Something that can be used to kind of show why you're different in the marketplace because competition's brutal, folks. I mean, you know it, I know it. There's competition from everywhere. So mm-hmm. you need to differentiate by having a unique vision. It's got to be specific. It's got to be time sent, like not, not, not like timely, like it's going to, it's going to wear out. It's got to have some legs to it. It needs to be short and memorable that your team can, can uh, grab a hold of and that again can guide and lead and keep everybody pointing in the same direction. I think the second thing you can do is, and you mentioned this at the end of the last segment, is really dig in and look at how you're doing things now and evaluate whether you're really doing, you know, everything you're doing, is it really, is it because you've just always done it that way? Is it a habit? Is it a, something you're kind of just got lazy about and haven't really looked at? Is, um, is your marketing just what everybody else does? Um, you really just kind of really take a hard look at, at your whole process. And this is kind of buyer journey mapping and customer experience mapping and really building out the steps to know all the touch points, know all the opportunities you have to influence your customers and impact them. And then just work on those and get better at them. Keep continuous improvement kind of ideas. Get better at them every day in terms of each of the steps and uh, make sure you just really make it intentional. Make that buyer journey, that customer experience an intentional thing as opposed to haphazard. It just happens. Don't take it for granted. 
map it. So, so you talk about buyer journey mapping and customer experience mapping. So for people who aren't experts in your field, what are those things? And are they the same thing or different things? Well, there, there are two things along the same continuum. Buyer, okay. journey, buyer journey would be the process people go through from the beginning when they recognize they have a problem to considering alternatives, researching, uh, evaluating different solutions, different vendors, getting proposals, going through the decision-making process, and then deciding whether to move forward or not, buying, closing the deals, negotiating the terms, implementing training, and getting started. That's the buyer journey. And it, it, it continues because people obviously want to continue to see success with whatever your product is. But once they become your customer, you now have a customer experience where it kind of shifts and you, you need to look at the, the, the second half of the process. And that is really understanding all the touch points from the time they become a customer through the end of the relationship with hopefully is a long time. So there, there are similar ideas. There are different parts of the process, but clearly the beginning is really more marketing and sales. Whereas after that is you're going to bring in your, your engineering team, maybe your in implementation staff, your on-site service and support, right? It's, it's a different group of people and a different group of departments. So it's a little different way to look at it, but it's really understanding the whole process end to end. They're two different pieces of the same linear process. So we've got a little bit of time. How can you give me specifics? So say I want to, to map my customer journey. So let's walk through a real example. Let's use me. Um, if I'm completely messed up, let's cut that out. But um, <laughs> so, so um, let's talk about the customer experience journey because I care about how what my customers experience. So how sure. do you start? And our our objective is to elevate the quality of leadership around the world, especially given the world where we currently live. Things are changing so quickly that um, our experience in the way we live, the way we work, everything is dependent upon effective leadership. Poor leadership means a, a potentially significantly negative outcomes. So that's my why. Help me with what's next. Well, I love I love the why. By the way, that's a great one. It's Thank you can you. get your hands around it. You know, it, it's 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 memorable and it's aspirational, right? I can it, it causes you to go forward and push. So I love it. So what what we do is say say you would sell say a year long consulting project to work with, train, and uh, coach a company's leadership. So okay. for mapping the customer journey would be looking at from the time they've signed the agreement to. How, how do you how do you handle the how do you handle the payments? How do you handle any terms on the agreement? How do you launch? What's the first meeting look like? What's that kickoff look like? Do you, do you have that planned out or is it haphazard? Have you thought it through? What do you want them to do? What are they? What are the takeaways? Uh, again, how do you help the senior leaders move these ideas through the company? Do you have a plan? I mean, people are resistant to change, right? I'm, one of my favorite quotes that I that I ever wrote. I just patted myself on the back, Maureen. Um, was was uh, People, everybody wants to grow, but no one wants to change. So human beings, it's hard to change. So how do you get them to change? So, so what is your process to help them be successful in that change, right? Is that mapped out? And how does, how does, how does it look, right? What are those touch points? What, are, what, are your, what does your rollout schedule look like? Um, how do you feed back to senior leaders on coaching sessions with individual leaders? Right? Again, all of those things, right? Um, we, we've all been in projects with consultants on one level or another where where you kind of lose your somebody may say well what's going on what happened are they doing what they said they were going to do right how do you avoid that how do you avoid those the the kind of lulls that happen in a project after it launches how do you mm -hmm. how do you how do you wrap it up how do you come back and summarize and share results and how do you you know what are the next steps again mapping out that whole process through the and then evaluating it and seeing how you're doing objectively so that you can get better at that process the next time is what was why you do it. And at the end, you should be soliciting feedback, or not even at the end, you should be getting feedback from your senior uh, stakeholders through the process. But certainly at the end, you want to debrief and understand, were we clear? Did we meet your expectations? Did you get the information you looked? Are you seeing the outcomes you want? And, and all of those steps, right? You're kind of mapping it out and, and then evaluating, and again, measuring when you can, and trying to get better at each of those steps with the next one, right? So you're, you're kind of, um, so you're, again, you're not selling necessarily consulting services, you're selling the outcomes and then the experience of working with you. Uh, 
you want and, you want yeah, the experience. I'm sorry, just real quick. You yeah. you want the experience of working with you to be part of your differentiation. Right? Working with you is qualitative and quantitatively better and more satisfying and more interesting than working with another consultant. Okay, so this ties back to the as a service. So leadership development, well, and it kind of is a service, right? Because I I don't have hardware to deliver. Um, but but managing the the if I see everything as the service, one of my friends talked about when they did meetings, they actually had cutouts of what the customer would look like. So Susie something and Billy something, and they would actually set them at the table as if they were participating in every meeting and they had stories around the customers and, and some of those things. And, and as you say that, I do think of there were certainly some areas where we could get better with the customer experience. Mm-hmm. We, we make assumptions. We assume that because the last customer we work with was happy that the next one will be. And people mm-hmm. are very different and they have different expectations and they won't always tell you what their expectations are. They may have them, but they may not communicate them. And if you don't meet them, then you may, they may not get the next project or you know, it just kind of goes sideways. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's really about being intentional about understanding those steps you go through. And I don't know if you're, if you're let's say a car wash, I don't, I don't know why they saw a car wash, right? If you're running your car through a car wash, the customer experience would be how, what does my line look like? Is it easy to get in and out of my place? Can I pay quickly? Do I, do I have a friendly face that asks me a question if I want this, that, or the other service? Do you take care of my car? Do you do the little things, right? Mm -hmm. Is, is, are the people well-dressed? Are they manner? Do they, do they greet you in a polite way? Is the waiting room nice and have a TV and some snacks if you, if you have to get out of your car and all those things Mm -hmm. are, you're going to be thinking about all those things. I'm going to try to maximize all of those touch points and, and to, just give them a different experience because I can get my car washed anywhere. But if I have some killer experience, I'm going to come back to that place. So how do I know if my inbound uh, marketing is working? Well, the, the phone's ringing, there's leads coming through the website and people are coming to you. It's, it's the idea of the attraction that you're, you're bringing people to you. And that includes your employees because Again, if you haven't looked at Glassdoor and you haven't looked online and social media, I, I talked about my daughter, the younger generation. If you, if you treat your employees poorly, guess what? They tell everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they put it on you know, websites and they share it. So, again, there's no secrets. You better not treat your people poorly. So, if you are treating them really well, they'll, tell, they'll say good things too. This is why mission and the connection to their, your employees' values is so important because they'll, they'll share that and then that will attract other people good employees. They'll want to work for you. So it's, are you attracting customers, employees, partners? Is your ecosystem a positive one? Is it growing? That's really the, the key thing. There's a lot of other metrics or things you can look at along the way, but at the end of the day, are you attracting people to you or, or are you finding yourself sitting there going, well, you know, we can't find good employees or we can't get enough customers. Or we can't get any prospects. Mm-hmm. Then you're probably not doing it right. So are there a couple of tactics that you can share with our listeners that you use for inbound or that you recommend to others for inbound? And I assume one is this podcast. Podcasting is a fantastic way to do inbound and and to create value for an audience for free, to give them something of value first. So I not only have my own podcast, it's called The Manufacturing Show. Check it out on iTunes if you're interested. Uh, I also guest on a lot of podcasts like this one. So mm-hmm. think about a, think about a podcast. Google now indexes podcast audio, not even the text. It, it indexes the audio and will give you ranking for your podcast audio. Podcasts can be videotaped. You can get video clips. You can get tons of quotes. You can write. Uh, you can transcribe them. Turn them into blog posts. So there's tons of content you can create, which you can share through email, social media platforms, one-on-one conversations. But what's also, what's also cool about podcasts is it's very personal, right? You're, you're hearing me. You're hearing the inflection in my voice. If you get the video, you can see me waving my hands around like a crazy person. And, and you get a sense of who I am as opposed to just reading mm-hmm. something that's kind of one-dimensional. This gives you a second dimension, at least audio. And if you have a third dimension with video, now you've got a little – you've got a sense of who the person is. So people like that. They want personalized connections. And, and podcasts are great because they can be consumed in the car, exercising, bite-sized pieces. So I love podcasts. It's one of the things we do a lot of. 
that's a big tactic. I think video is a big one too, in general. Uh, and and be interesting and be be um, um, be a little bit professional. Don't be the guy standing with the phone walking down the street. I can't stand those. <laughs> but um, uh, come up with a ways to again mm-hmm. share your story with with your audience. So can you give us the one minute? How do people connect with you, and what resources can they look for? Sure. My website's top-line-results.com. Todd Hockenberry, LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. Reach out to me there. And uh, our book website is inboundorganization.com. On that site, there's a, you can buy the book. There's a free assessment. There's a lot of other resources. There's a bonus chapter. Lots of stuff there. Reach out to me anytime. I'm happy to answer questions about this. Love to talk about this topic. But um, yeah, those are the best ways. And we've got, uh, we do coaching sessions. We do consulting with clients around these topics. And we also do really high level kind of marketing, uh, get in and do it projects with uh, large clients. So that's really our business. And uh, we love helping customers really adopt these ideas and implement them across their company. Cool. Todd, thank you so much. This information is incredibly useful. So when leaders understand that their organization may not be as customer focused as they think they are, they can explore how to align their mission strategies, action plans, and tools with the way their buyers think, learn, discover, and purchase. These inbound organization ideas help leaders focus their business on their customers and their employees and succeed at, and succeed at attracting and keeping the ideal customers. And again, this also ties to attracting and keeping top-notch employees. So thank you for joining Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. I am Maureen Metcalf and we want to make sure that we are serving you, our listeners, and I'm listening to Todd's recommendations and want to make sure you have an optimal uh, listener experience. Please do connect with me on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf. Connect with us on Facebook, Innovating Leadership. You can leave comments at Voice America or iTunes or Stitcher. You can tell your Alexa to send me a comment. Uh, We do listen to them. We respond. We love to engage with our listeners to ensure that this information is actionable for you and the time that you have invested in listening to this podcast, whether you're driving or walking your dog or listening and taking notes, that it pays dividends to you in providing information you can use and become better. So listen to us again, like us on whatever platform and connect, make this your own and give us input so that we can make it better for you. Thank you for joining us again, Maureen Metcalf and Todd Heikenberry. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.